happy I am to be in your presence, to be a commander in the Air Force here on the airwaves of WHGE 95.3 FM. I show up for you. So let's get right to it. Some announcements uh, many of us already are aware of, and if you're not aware, then I ask that you please uh, make yourselves aware because I'm going to share with you uh, today is the party two. Uh, the party two will be held at 200 South Madison Street, which is right over by the riverfront. And what is the party two? Well, Timeless Thomas will be at the party uh, with an empowering message. Plus there will be food, music, uh, other live performances, and some fun activities for the family. So please come on over to 200 South Madison Street here in Wilmington, Delaware at 4 o'clock p.m. today uh, and let's show Timeless Thomas some love as well as the Delaware uh, Contemporary Arts. So thank you so much for that and I look forward to seeing you there at 4 o'clock today. But I also want to uh, dovetail off of the journalists that were here earlier today. We had Pat Gibbs and Victor Cooper from Nosaroma. The Open Eye Show, the Open Eye Show. And they were talking, uh, normally I try to chime in and, and listen to what their report is all about because Pat and Victor Cooper, uh, Nosaroma, they always have something interesting to say. And so I chime in as I am personally preparing to arrive at the station. One of the things uh, that was said today was about a young fella who, <laughs> who was shot 60 times, uh, I believe the name is Jalen, was shot 60 times by police uh, for a routine traffic stop. As usual, the traffic stop got out of control. Uh, one person says one thing, the police feel a certain way about it, and before you know it, we've got a dead black body on the ground. Uh, and as I was Google searching that, because I wanted to try to understand, something else came up. Uh, and it just, it really, it just shocked me when I read it. So I'm looking for the story uh, that Pat Gibbs and, and Nosaroma did this morning. And in the midst of researching the information on that story, I found a totally different story. One that perhaps is not widely spread in journalism. So allow me to bring that to your attention, sort of to dovetail off of what Nosaroma and, and Pat Gibbs talked about. So one of the things they said, and as we know, racist, supremacist, white supremacist, racists uh, who shoot black folks uh, at a supermarket at, or various other locations like Boston and, and New England, uh, Tennessee, Alabama, Chicago, Texas. You know, we have these white racist supremacists, right, who are shooting and killing black folks. Many of them are, unfortunately, they've been hired 
onto our police stations, our law enforcement agencies. And when they are called, the, the law enforcement agency is called uh, to come and assist us with these white supremacist racists uh, who are shooting up these, these places and hurting people. Uh, I'm particularly speaking of Peyton Gendron, who was taken for a hamburger after the shooting. He was hungry, so they took him for a hamburger. They got him a hamburger on the way to the police station. And yet, the young fella, Jalen, I believe, and the young fellow that I want to tell you about, they're shot and they're killed. And one of the things that really, really just kind of inflamed my, my passions, my fire, was the fact that they do that. Why is it that some folks get to go for a hamburger after massively killing brown-hued people and yet for routine traffic stops, brown-hued people are shot 60 times. And that brings me to the story of Angelo. Angelo, who was an Antiguan, was shot 68 times. Allegedly, he had shot a police officer. And when the search ensued, they found him hiding in the woods with a little gun, a little handheld uh, handpiece. They shot him, SWAT, shot him 68 times. When, he, uh, when the police, the sheriff, was then questioned, why did you shoot this suspect 68 times? Why? Was that necessary? Like, why 68 times? Why did you shoot him? He's 68 bullets. Why? The sheriff then replied to that journalist, we would have shot him more, but we ran out of bullets. We only shot him 68 times because we ran out of bullets. And so my question to you, ladies and gentlemen, is... Are you serious? Are you serious? Some people are picked up by law enforcement and they get a hamburger on the way to being arrested. Or they've been arrested, they're on their way to the police station. Oh, but let's stop by the burger joint and grab you something to eat. It's gonna be a long night. We wanna make sure you get some, some nourishment into your system. And yet other people are stopped for routine traffic violations, alleged violations. They ran a, a stop sign or they, they didn't put their turn signal on prior to making a turn one way or another. Or the police officer had probable cause to pull them over. He thought he smelt uh, marijuana or he thought he may uh, was suspicious behaviors. So for a routine traffic stop, based on what is probable cause at the discretion of the law enforcement officer, we're shot and killed 68, uh, 68 bullets. 68 shots, bullets into our bodies. And when questioned why, it's because they ran out of bullets. Otherwise, they would have shot us more. I, I, I'm, I'm so baffled by that. 
that I can barely even get it out of my, my, from my brain through my mouth into this microphone. This is the America that we live in. And we've been talking about things from the political power hour, uh, you know, kind of one step at a time, breaking down the history and the presence of politics of America by going all the way back. And, you know, call me hate speech or call me a bad person, call me the name that you would like to call me, but I'm going to say what I'm thinking. And here are my thoughts. And these thoughts belong to me. They do not belong to anyone else. WHG neither agrees nor disagrees with my viewpoints, my thoughts, my intellectual property. But I've got to say this. When we were slaves, when we were slaves, KRS-One called him the overseer. We called them, they were known as the overseer. KRS-One breaks it down to us in the verbiage, the language, and the pronunciation of overseer. If you speed up the word overseer, fast enough, you will get to the word officer. Overseer, 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 officer, officer, officer. Very, very synonymous one to the other. And so I think to myself sometimes how we have taught our children, if something is wrong, you want to go and talk to the police. They are your friends. And maybe perhaps uh, under the age of 12, because Tamir Rice was only 12 years old, perhaps under the age of 12, maybe, maybe they are your friend. Maybe they can be trusted. But Tamir Rice and the list of names beyond that tell us that once you're over the age of 12, if you're a brown hue person living in America, there could be a possibility that you will face the overseer, overseer, officer, officer, officer for a routine traffic stop. And that could be the last encounter that you have. I look at the story of Breonna Taylor, the no-knock warrant. They burst into a woman's house looking for somebody else in a totally different apartment. They burst into her house. No one is, is awake, so they're all sleeping. You hear this horrendous noise, this bursting into your home uh, and loud, obnoxious sounds coming from the doors. You grab your self-defense mechanism and begin out of just self-preservation to defend yourself. And now they use that as an excuse to kill you. Ladies and gentlemen, something's wrong. Something is terribly, terribly wrong. And I'm sure that all of us read the papers or we listen to mainstream media. Many of us, uh, thank God, we are tuning in now to 95.3 FM. 
So you can catch us all day long in the city of Wilmington and certainly worldwide on our web. We are now broadcasting to you internationally, nationally, and around the globe on our website, WHGE. So it doesn't matter if you're in Africa, in Spain, uh, Germany, Brazil, wherever you are, you can listen, you can tune in to the one and only black-owned, black-operated news information and advocacy station in the entire state of Delaware, little old teeny-weeny Delaware. We give thanks to Harmon Carey for his ingenuity and his ambition to start a station and to grow. We thank you to James Bailey and to Eric Johnson for their technology expertise that is helping us to grow. So people are tuning in and they're listening and thank God for that. But we're all listening and we all know much of what is going on. And I'll tell you, I truly believe that the rest of the world is laughing at the United States of America. They've got to be grabbing their belly and just having a good chuckle at our expense. <laughs> it's pathetic. It's appalling. Then one criminal gets a, a hamburger and someone who simply violates a traffic ordinance, not even a law, they're ordinances. You're supposed to get a citation, a traffic citation, a little ticket, pay some money and go. Instead, we're being killed, murdered at the stop sign, at the red lights. And then there are the people who believe that the system is working perfectly and every single time they will vote to keep this system in place. During the political power hour, I spoke of the, this organization that's up and coming, I suppose. Maybe they've been around for a long time. I don't know. I'm just now hearing about them. I'm just now uh, looking into uh, some information on them. They're called the Patriot Trump. Why they're not called Trump Patriots, I don't know. But they're called the Patriot Trump. And they listen and believe in very much of whatever it is that former President Donald Trump is saying. I couldn't think of the word, I called it a harvesting ground, but it's actually recruiting ground in New England. One of the largest recruiting grounds for this Patriot Trump organization in the nation, New England. That's Boston and Rhode Island and, you know, Massachusetts, all of that. It is a recruiting ground, and perhaps I was correct to call it a harvesting ground. They are recruiting these young, white, Trump supporters, feeding them information that may not be completely accurate, but when you're young and you're still developing your thoughts and who you are and becoming who you are, 
It is very easy to brainwash people into believing what you want them to believe, even if it's not the truth. And so they're recruiting these young, I'm gonna call them children, I'm allowed to do that if they're, if they're you know, if they're under the age of 30. <laughs> they're under the age of 30, they're still 25 year old, 24 and three and one year olds, right? 21, two, three, four. And these, these young people are being recruited and fed racism and racist thoughts through the word patriotic versus unpatriotic. This is how they're using the racism. They're using words like patriotic versus non-patriotic. And anyone who is non-patriotic, well, they can be bait. They can be bait. We want to get rid of folks who are non-patriotic. If you don't believe in the systems of America, if you don't believe in the principles and the practices of America based on all of the history, again, we were talking about that on the political power hour. If you don't believe in everything that America, remember America is only 246 years old. It's only 246 years old. And it was built, <laughs> it was built by folks who were, who were going to be Americans. It was not built for anyone who was not of that British English descent. Those were the original 13 colonies here, right? That's who, was, that's who came here and created the America, the United States of America. And so if you don't believe in the practices, the systems, the principles of America, then this group considers you to be unpatriotic. And if you're unpatriotic, you can be bait. So it's not just a black or white thing. These folks are also going after our Jewish brothers and sisters. Although many of the Jewish people don't consider themselves as our brothers and sisters. Uh, technically they are, and that's a whole other story. We would have to go all the way back in time uh, and look up some verses from the Bible. The, the Bible, the Biblios Helios, is really a history book. I know that we use it as our praise and worship foundation. So many people do. And that's, that's, you know, hey, to each his own, that's groovy. But the Bible is really not in chronological order, but it is a history of things. So we would have to go all the way back in order to, I would have to go all the way back and bring it forth to prove to you that the Jews... The Jewish people are technically our brothers and sisters. But that's another conversation. These patriot Trumps are going after Jews. They're going after brown-hued people. They're going after our Manchurian, which is our Asian brothers and sisters. Anyone that is not of that English-British descent of America, they're, they're causing havoc. 
And you know what's so interesting? I find it so interesting. The very same police that we would call or encourage our little babies, call the police, honey, call the police to come and rescue us, to save us it, during trials and tribulations here on earth. They are supposed to come and save us and protect and serve. But when they take off their blue uniforms, who are they? What do they believe in? Why did they become police officers? What was the reason for signing up for that blue uniform and that little tin badge? Why? Perhaps, as I've heard other journalists say, perhaps the blue uniform and the tin badge is just something to hide behind legally to enforce the Patriot Trump organization. Some journalists are saying that this new organization is the new brand of the Ku Klux Klan, hidden under a different name. We're not gonna call ourselves the KKK, Ku Klux Klan any longer. People are too familiar with that. They know what it means. So we're gonna give ourselves a brand new makeover. We're gonna change it up. We're gonna get behind uniforms and we're gonna call ourselves something else. And again, I, Rochelle Wilson, personally, have no beef with good cops. I love you, I thank you, I appreciate you, I applaud you for getting out here on the streets every day and being a good law enforcement agent. I support you. I support you. But for all of those that get up and put that uniform on along with the little tin badge that gives them legal permission to hurt people that they may think are unpatriotic, un-American, un-American. Well, that's half of this nation is un-American because many of us do not come from British English bloodline or DNA. So we can't be American. We live in America. But the premise of what America was built on was something English and British. Now, of course, it's been covered over and shadowed. So anybody who comes here can't wait to take the pledge uh, of allegiance to America. I pledge allegiance to America for which it stands. What does America stand for? What does America actually stand for? 246 years since the creation of the United States of America. 246 years. And they have created the Americans, the original Americans have caused havoc and chaos 
to put pretty much every other nationality of people in the world. Anybody that would fight with them or oppose them or disagree with them, it was a battle. And oftentimes, America won. It's considered as one of the superpowers, right? Superpower, we've got all this weaponry. We spend more money on defense and weapons, as they call it, defense weapons, you know, our military. And I love my military people. Love my military people. I love y'all. But I got to tell a truth here that may be uncomfortable. We spend more money on our military defense of America than we do on feeding the hungry children who are sleeping under the bridge at night. Something's wrong with that. It's almost as if we're imploding from inside out. We're so busy defending America's territory and jurisdictions, right? Our land, our borders. But we're not, we're not spending enough money or taking care of the people inside of the borders, on the lands. It, you know, one of the things that Nosaroma, Victor Cooper, and Pat Gibbs said today in America, it is a crime to be poor and black. And that just about brings tears to my eyes. It's a crime to be poor and black. Are you serious? This is the world that we live in. This is the world, this is the nation that we live in. Because I truly am of the opinion, and I don't know for sure, I'm, I've traveled all of these United States of America. I've had the good fortune only to go outside of America a few times to Canada. Love Canada, it's gorgeous. I have aspirations to someday visit the motherland of Africa. Would love to see where the Moors originated from, the Moroccans. Would love to visit Africa and kiss Mother Earth. But I'd also love to visit Italy. My father is Sicilian. And I'd love to know more about the Sicilian heritage in my bloodline. But I gotta tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the United States of America has been outlandish in some of her behavior and she's only 246 years old. 246 years old. And has created some of the world's most heinous atrocities ever known to humankind. Now that's not to say that there aren't some real funky atrocities going on in other parts of the world. I'm still in my feelings about Russia being the bully over Ukraine. I feel some kind of way about that. But when you ask me to support Ukraine, and I know that in Africa, we've got civil unrest between technically, you know, when you get down to the bottom line, you can sugarcoat it with whatever you want. But the bottom line is it's Muslim and Christians. 
one tribe of people don't like the other tribe of people because this tribe is a different uh, religious reliance than that tribe. Now it's sugar-coated with a whole bunch of political bullshinaki on top of it to make it look like it's something else, but it really comes down to Muslim and Christian. Folks are killing each other because one is Muslim and the other is Christian. And so when you tell me to look out for Ukraine, donate money to Ukraine, my heart will pray for the people, the children of Ukraine. I promise you I've done that. And I'll do it again. But I've also got to get on my knees and pray, get in my spiritual closet and pray for that civil unrest in Africa. Can we donate? If I've only got a dollar, guess where it's going? And if that makes me a bad person, I apologize. But if I've got one dollar and I have to choose between giving it, donating it to Ukraine or donating it to uh, the people in Africa, I've got to help my folks over in Africa. That whole business of fighting between Muslim and Christian is an absolute atrocity within itself. And who started that mess, we would ask? Who started that dis divide between those uh, two tribes? Look at who started that. Take it all the way back to the original first argument, the first fight. It just so happened that one was a Muslim and one was a Christian. But when you look at where the land was divided, on purpose, intentionally to create a divide between Muslims and Christians you gotta realize that the civil unrest is not an accident now I don't know if Russia invaded Ukraine accidentally or was it plot or plan I do know that Russia is being the bully but when I look at the history of the civil unrest in Africa I look at who, where the land was divided that started the argument in the first place. We got to know our history. We got to do our research. You know, sometimes I think, ladies and gentlemen, I, I just wonder about us as human beings as a whole. I realize the truth of the history that things are the way they are because each nation or each human being has played their own individual part in creating the system and the wheel as it is. Pardon me. Many of us, uh, by our own will and our own ego and our own self-pride and our own lack of self-pride, we create situations and scenarios for our own demise. For our own demise. And then we'll blame everybody else, never looking at that person in the mirror and taking full accountability for the choices we made, for the words we spoke from our mouths. You spoke the words. How are you going to fault me and be mad at me? Because now you got, you've got to deal with the karma of the words that you spoke against me. I'll tell you, I was listening again. I was at it again with Bishop T.D. Jakes. I, I can't help it. I, I just find myself attracted to his teaching style. 
So listening to Bishop T.D. Jakes, as usual, he said something that I thought, uh, it really kind of worked very well with something that I heard uh, Bishop, uh, Bishop Gibson, George Gibson on Wednesday. I stopped by uh, Bethel AME Church and for the hour of power. And that was really nice. I really got uh, what I needed. His message was then and now. That was the title of the message, then and now. And so that tied in with what I was listening to with Bishop T.D. Jakes. That, that, new, that, that place called in between where I'm not who I used to be. I don't do what I used to do. I may not even associate with the people I used to associate with. I've left that place. And I'm headed to the place that I have planned for myself. I want to go over here and I want to be this and do that and live this way. Uh, these are my choices of how I want to live my life. But that place in between arrival to the new spot and departure from what you used to be, that, that place, that, that nubilis, that nucleus that's in between. And, and sometimes uh, listening to both of these bishops, George Gibson and T.D. Jakes, although spoken differently, I felt the message was, uh, you know, they complimented one another in their message. That place in between, departure of what I was and arrival at what I am becoming or will be, can sometimes feel like a wilderness. It can feel like an ungodly place. When you're in the wilderness, of in between. And I remember the story of Moses in the Bible. And again, let me let me assure you, <clears throat> pardon me, that I am not a Bible thumper, that I do not believe every single concept of the Bible, but I do love the stories and the messages of the Bible the history and the messages, they make sense even today. Whether all the characters are true, whether or not everybody that was in the book is the real, I, I, I can't, I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole. But the stories of the people and the situations and the circumstances really inspire me. So I love to read the stories and I typically, now that I'm older, I have a spirit of discernment, so I get it. I, I comprehend what the story is saying. But that in-between place, that what feels like an ungodly place, because it's usually somewhere between your departure of what you once were, then, and your arrival of what you're going to be and who you're becoming, you know, now, it's in that place, in the middle, that that is where Satan or the devil or the enemy or the evil spirit or the whatever name you want to call it, 
I'm sure it has as many names as the divine eternal God himself, herself. But that evil thing, whatever that name is, it's that in between where that evil attacks you the most. Because you see that evil thing, that evil energy or spirit or, or, or entity, that serpent that crawls on its belly of deceit and lies and deceptions, not, you know, I, I, that thing will attack you because it never wanted you to leave where you were in the first place. It wanted you to stay there. And it sees that your purpose is going to take you to where you're going and arrive at where you're supposed to be, your purpose for Almighty Divine God. So in between is when that evil thing attacks you the most and the hardest. That wilderness, that place of, of, of uncertainty between departure and arrival that uncertainty of what's going to happen. Everything that I left behind, all the things that I've let go of to pick up and begin this journey forward into my arrival. But I'm not there yet. I'm in between. And I'm getting attacked the most, the hardest by that serpent, that thing in the Garden of Eden, allegedly uh, in the Garden of Eden, according to the Bible, it was a serpent in the Garden of Eden that first brought the sin to the people who were in the garden. That serpent, that snake in the grass, that thing on its belly, that deceitful thing. It told the people in the garden, you will not surely die. It didn't say you wouldn't die. It didn't say that, you know, a whole bunch of chaos wasn't going to absolutely break free. It used the word deceptively, you will not surely die. Oh, but you're going to die one way or another because I'm going to destroy you if you follow what I'm saying. I'm going to lead you into destruction, I promise. But if you hold true to what you've been ordered or commanded and you don't listen to me, then I don't have a shot. So that evil thing, they called a snake or serpent, right? Brought sin because it brought disobedience. That's the first sin. It wasn't that they uh, ate any particular food or fruits or any of that sort of thing. The sin was the disobedience. Because they had been commanded to do one thing and they allowed deception, you will not surely die, to lead them into a place of disobedience, the first sin. And whenever you disobey all things that are right and true and honorable and love, you're definitely on a pathway for destruction. You are walking towards destruction one way or another. You can call it how you want to call it. But that very same snake bite, that bite of sin, you will not surely die. 
many, 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 many moons past. And if anyone knows medical science, you know that the antidote to a venomous snake bite is the venom of the snake. So in the Garden of Eden, sin bit those folks with disobedience. The very first sin, they disobeyed and they created sin. They followed the deception. And many, many moons passed. <laughs> and we get the antidote, according to the Bible, we get the antidote to the venomous snake bite of sin. We get the antidote that was hung on a tree. These are the teachings of Bishop T.D. Jake. But it made perfect sense to me because I do know the science, the medical science. If a, a rattlesnake bites me, I need the venom as my antidote. Of course, it's all mixed up and they do some special stuff, zapping and poof, it becomes something else that's the antidote. But I still got to have it so that it does not kill me. And what does any of that have to do with the in-between place? Just this. Sometimes the very attacks of evil that would try to prevent you from your arrival at your purpose, the very thing that was meant to destroy you, that which is love and beauty and health and righteousness and truth and honor, that which is divine, will take that which was meant for your evil and turn it around for your own good. In the land of in-between departure and arrival, you are learning to become. You are mastering your purpose. You are learning and mastering your purpose so that when you do arrive, at your chosen destination, at God's chosen destination for you, you will be ready to serve the purpose that you were born to serve. So it's that land of in-between, that wilderness, that nebulous of in-between, that you have to be the most thankful, have the most gratitude, it is, it is imperative. It, let, let me just take it to something I remember about the story of Moses and the people. This is the story of, uh, of Moses from the Bible. Allegedly in this Bible, this story, fresh manna right? Fresh manna. This stuff would fall from the sky every day and would feed the people. It would feed them. It fed them so well and sustained them so well. Not only were they not hungry, even the shoes that they wore during this traveling of departure from slavery in Egypt to the land of milk and honey, that in-between place, not one thread of their clothing or of their shoes was unthreaded. Pristine, just as wonderful as it was when they left Egypt, 
Their clothing was also sustained along with their physical health. But they complained because this manna, this manna that was raining from the sky, although they could make it into dough and bread and eat and, uh, you know, that was fine. They complained because it was tasteless. The manna did not have any flavor to it. It wasn't vanilla, chocolate, or strawberry. It was just sustaining substance, sustenance, sustenance for their body and their spirit, even their clothing. Not one thread became a tassel. Not one thread pulled loose from their garments. That's what this manna did for these people. But it was tasteless. And it's, it's sort of like drinking water every day. It's good for you, you, you like it, and it's, it's healthy, and, and it sustains you, but it may not satisfy you. Sustainable, but not satisfying. You're in that place of in-between where God is sustaining you, but you haven't arrived to your place where you're satisfied. How many of you understand that concept? So let me take it one more step down this rabbit hole, and I'm going to leave it alone. You're sustained, but you're not satisfied because you're in between. You haven't arrived yet. But so you're not satisfied. So you complain or do you give thanks and praise for the sustaining sustenance? Because you really only have three choices the way I figure it in my mind. And I'm not the smartest cookie in the jar, but, but these are my thoughts. I can either go back to wherever it is that I departed from. I can stay where I'm at in praise and thanks and, and an attitude of thanksgiving and gratitude. Even though it may be tasteless, it may be uncomfortable, it may feel like a wilderness at times. I know that it is only prepping me for what I am becoming to arrive at my purpose. And it is sustaining me against all of the attacks of that evil thing that wants to cut my journey short so that I never arrive to my divine purpose. Or I can just give up. Stay right where I am and complain and, and moan and, and you know, I can just join in pretty much with the negative energy, that evil thing. So those are my choices. And I can't speak for anyone else's choice. If God is not going to overstep uh, his bounds and, and take away your will to choose, certainly neither will I. But I choose in that nebulous of in-between. I've left what I once was. I aspire to arrive to where I need to be, my, my divine purpose. I need to get there, but I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm on my way. I am becoming 
my greatness. So when I get to my uh, arrival point, I will serve my purpose with eloquence and divinity and righteousness and truth. It's hard being in that in-between, that wilderness of sustainability, but not satisfaction. But I will praise with thanksgiving and gratitude every single day because I know that that is the propeller that motions me forward. The more thankful I am, the more appreciative I am, the more gratitude that is sincerely in my heart, the faster my propellers move me forward to my arrival. So ladies and gentlemen, today's broadcast makes some intelligent noise is really about being thankful. I know that things could be better and they should be better. Brown-hued people should not be shot 68 times because they didn't have any more bullets. They could have made it 168 times. We, that shouldn't happen to us. A lot of things shouldn't be as they are in our lives. We are not satisfied, but God is sustaining us. So be thankful until we get to our arrived destination of divinity. And it's coming. We're going to get there. Those of us that remain steadfast in our thankfulness and gratitude and praise, we're going to arrive. And it will be satisfying once we get there. We will be satisfied. So wherever you are in your journey of that in-between, that who you once were, what you once were, you used to do these things, but you stopped doing those things. You no longer participate in those behaviors or those actions. You've left that behind. And now you're in a place of what feels like wilderness, uncertainty, maybe confusion, and you're not satisfied. But you are being sustained. And if you just show thanks and praise, it will propel you forward to your destination of arrival. I love the stories of the Bible. I love the stories of the Quran. I love the stories of the Torah. I love the history. I'm Rochelle Wilson, and I'm here with you today to make some intelligent noise. And I pray that I was able to do that today. It was on my heart that I might be able to encourage someone who's in a place where they're not satisfied because they haven't arrived to their planned destination yet, I'm here to encourage you, hold on. Keep moving in the sustainability of God's love for you. He's gonna get us there. He, she, it will get us there. We will arrive and we will be satisfied but it's work to this baby. 
You got to put the work in and pay your dues. Everybody wants to sit on the king and queen's throne. But everybody's not willing to put in the work that is required to be a king and a queen. Some people are meant to be the jester of the court. So make sure that whatever your planned arrival is, wherever your destination is, make sure you're in the right lane. Perhaps you're in the in-between because you're headed in the wrong direction. It's not meant for you to be thus and such and so and be. But maybe your purpose and your destiny is to be this and such and though and that. So take a, a, a closer look, a good look at what is your divine purpose. Maybe you're in that, that land of in between that wilderness because you're being disobedient to what you know is truth and righteous and love. Maybe you're in that place, that wilderness, that in-between land because you're speaking against God's people and his chosen. And we know that's a road to destruction. Whenever you put your hand against something that God has lifted up, you're looking for trouble. You're knocking on trouble's door. So let's not do that. Whatever it is that's keeping you in the land of in-between, be thankful, but be reflective. Look in the mirror and make sure that you're on the right road to the right destination of arrival. I'm Rochelle Wilson. Thank you for spending this hour with me. You are listening to WHGE. Rochelle Wilson, make some intelligent noise. I appreciate you, and I will see you right back here on Wednesday for the Political Power Hour, where we talk politics. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, take care of yourselves. Protect the planet Earth. It's the only planet you've got to live on and sustain you. So take care of it and protect it. Uh, and, and be good to yourselves and be good to others. Karma is real. and grace everyone I pray that you are well it's a wonderful Saturday once again uh, lots going on in America but definitely today at 4 o'clock 200 South Madison Street we're going to see Timeless Thomas and a host of other folks live entertainment food etc etc uh, so please meet me over there at the riverfront 200 South Madison Street today uh, for the party the party number two peace and grace love y'all